You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. I was going to deliver you in just a moment, but I need—I want to preach to you something real quick, and then I'm going to lay hands. So, quit, stop me at 10:20 so I can pray for you, and then whatever God has, I'll—I'll I'll just get there on Thursday. Go with me, if you will, to James chapter one. If you have your Bible this morning, James chapter one. Now I may get excitable, but I'll make no apologies for it, because we have the Spirit of God in this church. And I want, before I even, I want to read this verse to you this morning, then, then I'm going to tell you what to do. Go with me to James chapter 1 and verse 12. James chapter 1 and verse 12. And I like this verse because it's one of those verses that start off the right way. It says here, James chapter 1 and verse 12. God blesses. Somebody say blesses. That means empowers, enables, and fulfills His promise. Somebody say empowers enables and say stands by his promise he does something for you that you in your own strength are not able to do someone say God blesses say God blesses me and it says God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation afterward they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him so let's say this together this morning somebody say God blesses, God blesses. say afterward say after the trial say after the temptation I will receive that which God has promised me I want to say this morning that the thing that God has promised to you is not been put on hold, but God is ready to release it to you this morning. And I'm going to say this quickly, is that a Christian is not somebody that misses testing and trials. A good Christian is somebody that knows how to endure when the test and the trial has come. So many times I meet Christians and they say, well, you know, pastor, I'm going through this and I'm going through that. And the Bible says that a Christian is not somebody that lives a life that's free of difficulty. A Christian is somebody that knows how to endure. The Greek word here, endure, simply means to bear bravely and to bear calmly. It means to stay alive in a hostile attack. It means to have courage under pressure. It means that if you were to take these definitions and plug it into the scripture, I'm going to read to you what the verse itself would say. That God blesses those who fight valiantly and handle the attack with bravery without losing their confidence. I started talking last week by the Spirit that God wants to begin. Are you here this morning? That God wants to use you in the unfruitful places of your life. That when you get before God and you ask Him about the promises that He has for you in 2016, that the Spirit of the Lord will begin to talk to you about those places in your life where you have been unsuccessful in bearing fruit. You say, well, in my area of life, God, you blessed me here and here and here in 2015, but it's this one area that I have been unable to produce. 
And I said last week, just like the people of Jericho, do not be satisfied with having 99% of the results and being satisfied without having that 1% because that 1% could be attached to the next part of your destiny. And so many times people, they get happy because they say, God has blessed me 99%, but it's that 1% that God is after. The Bible says that Jesus would leave 99 of the sheep and go after the one. So I want you to know that 2016 is the year that God goes after that 1% of the promise in your life. But for you to receive the promise that God has promised you, it's going to take bravery. Someone say bravery. It's going to take valiant. Someone say being valiant. It's going to take you to know that you have to learn how to be courageous in the middle of the attack. A Christian is not a perfect person. A Christian is somebody when the attack comes, you don't lose your cool. When the attack comes and you're down and out, you can look like, I got this. It's without a problem. I'm going to manage my pressure and be cool at the same time. Can I get an amen? Just like Michigan State last night. You saw how they were playing. It looks like they weren't even down. They were just, we're going to get, we know what we're doing. Because a champion is somebody that knows when they're down and out, how to stay calm under the pressure, how not to buckle, how to make the shots, how to take the punches and still keep coming at that person. Can I get an amen this morning? So number one, for you to receive the promise that God has for your life, you as a Christian need to be courageous. Number two, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 32. I'm a courageous Christian. When the problems of the enemy come at me, I'm going to stay cool. Hello, somebody. I'm not going to run to pastor and say, Pastor, you don't even know what's going on, what the devil's doing in my life this morning. Ah, you can come to me when I'm saying, hey, I told you to be courageous. Amen. Come on, it's going to be okay. You have a God of love. Someone say, I got a God that loves me. Number two, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. The Bible says, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Somebody say a hard struggle. This word hard struggle means to engage in a conflict. Do you know the Greek word is actually where we get our English word athlete. The word to endure means to be athletic. When you consider what an athlete is, an athlete is not somebody that just receives a prize. We look at athletes when they win trophies and they win championships and we say, do you know what makes them them is that they have a trophy. They made the game winning goal. They got to the end and now they stand on the stage and everybody honors them. That's not what makes them an athlete. What makes an athlete an athlete are the hours that you don't see when they're waking up at 4.30 in the morning, four hours before the rest of the world, and they're running, and they're jogging and pushing their bodies to the extreme. Can I get an amen, somebody? What makes an athlete an athlete is the stuff that you cannot see that they're doing. Lifting weights, eating diets, going to bed early at night. I read about an athlete. He goes to bed every night at 7 p.m. 
when everybody is out partying and looking at YouTube videos and stupid stuff and wasting time, he's sleeping because he has to get up in the morning and he has to start running and he has to start jumping. And what the word of God says, and for you to receive the promise of God, you have to be an athletic Christian. An athletic Christian is not someone that just is a track star. An athletic Christian is somebody that knows how to be disciplined. Hello, knows how to fight and endure that hard struggle. Someone say, be athletic think about what an athlete does athletes don't sleep in until 12 p.m what athlete do you know says you know i gotta train for the big fight so i'm gonna get up tomorrow early at 11 a.m you know i'm just gonna roll out of bed check instagram before i get up march myself to the bathroom flash some cold water on my face and I'm going to go to the gym, but first I'm going to stop at McDonald's and get a breakfast sandwich. Because they are serving breakfast 24-7. And I don't have to get there by 10.30. Because, you know, if you get there at 10.31, it's Big Mac for you. You ain't getting, you know, you, they, they're tight about that rule. And he stops and gets McDonald's. And then, you know, he just walking. Hey, man, did you see the game last night? No, 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 no. That's what Christians do, though. A Christian that wants the promise of God to be fulfilled in their life has to have the mentality that I'm going to be an athlete for Jesus. You want the promise of God to come to pass in your life. Someone say, me, I want the promise. Say, I want the promise to come to pass in my life. You got to take on the mentality of an athlete. God is not someone that comes to you and says, oh, your big games next week. Oh, I know. I know what I'm going to do because I am God and I can do whatever I want. I'm just going to fix the score. I don't care if you lose, you're going to win. In my league, everybody gets a trophy. You know, it's one of those everyone wins leagues. You know, like schools today, everybody gets a trophy. What's that about? That's not how God is. God doesn't say, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go, I'm going to go in front of your enemy and crush your enemy. Because that's not being a good coach. Do you know what a good coach does? When you fall into the ground, he says, get up. A good coach is someone that says, now listen, you get up out of bed, and you get up early, and you start training. And if you don't, there's going to be hell to pay. Well, God don't threaten you like that, but God's the same way. He looks at you and says, I made you a promise, didn't I? I told you that if you believe me and stand in faith, you would see the promise of God come to pass in your life. Get up early and start praying. Go to church and start giving. Go to church and start worshiping me. Hello, somebody. God says, stand on my word. Stand on the promise of God. And so what the Holy Spirit does, when you receive the Holy Spirit into your life, he doesn't just come along, just touch you once and say, okay, that's good for the next five months. He comes along and says, I'm going to build into you the mentality of an athlete. Hello, when I got the Holy Ghost, I started becoming an athlete for Jesus, praying in the morning, getting up, confessing the word of God, reading my Bible, going to church, praying. I, yesterday, I was at the dry cleaners. A lady come in. She has her head down, looking like she, has, she had a broke leg, just looking miserable. I walk in, I say, what's wrong? Why are you taking a nap on the job? And she laughed. She says, oh, you caught me. I said, I'm going to tell your boss. And she started laughing. I said, what's wrong? She said, I have a headache. You know what the Holy Spirit did in me? My trainer and my coach said, lay hands on her and pray for her. And I said, well, I had all this dry cleaning. I said, well, after I do the dry cleaning, the Lord says, do it now because someone will come in. So I said, okay. I said, I, wanna, I said, listen, you know, I'm a pastor down the street, and I want to pray for you. I'm going to command that headache to go. 
she said, oh, yes, pray for me. And she went like this, pray for me, pray for me. Put her hand out like this. I said, okay, you got some oil? You got some oil back there? Put my hand on and said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray this headache, go. I command this migraine to go. In the name of Jesus, go. And she's, oh, thank you so much for praying for me. I feel good. Thank you for praying for me. And you know what? When I was going to pray for her by the end of the visit, people walked in. Isn't the Holy Spirit awesome? But do you see what the Spirit of God is doing? He's my coach telling me what to do. The promise that God has for your life, he'll tell you exactly how to get it to come to pass in your life. Can I get an amen this morning? There's going to be many hard fights in your life, but every person has great faith, has been through great contests. Some of you say amen. God is a powerful coach. You know, you get around people that have been fighters. You know what fighters do? They show each other their scars. Amen. They say, look, I got this one right here. This was back in 1966 in Vietnam. This one right here was the Korean War. This one right here is World War II. Amen. When you're around faith people that have been through faith fights, you start talking about your scars. Listen, listen, listen. When you receive the promise of God in your life, when God comes through and he delivers the thing that you've been believing God for, you're going to be sitting around with people at church and you say, oh, you see this? This was back in the day where I was believing God for this, and I didn't know when it was going to come to pass, and God did it for me. And this one right here, this is what God did it for me. And this one right here, this is what God did it for me. And you're showing people the battles that you've been through, and God's getting the glory because he did it and made it come to pass. Amen. All right. Number three, you have to be a committed Christian to get the results. Someone say perseverance. perseverance. Someone say perseverance. Perseverance means continuous indestructibility. Continuous indestructibility. It says in James chapter one and verse three, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It means to be unswerved and deliberately purposeful. It means that to be purposeful and unswerved about the thing. When you see that your faith has permanence and indestructibility about it, then you know it's faith. If it doesn't have permanence and if it doesn't have indestructibility, it's not faith. So... Let me give to you an example of what I'm talking to you about. Go with me to Daniel chapter 3. You know the story of Daniel chapter 3. Someone say perseverance. You say, Pastor, I want God to bring the past the promise of my life. Well, someone say it takes perseverance. Okay, Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Are you all here this morning? I'm fired up. Daniel chapter 3. You know this story. Daniel chapter 3. You have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three Hebrew children. The Bible tells the story. They were being, going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And the word of God says, in verse number 10, Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the psaltery, and all the instruments. In verse number 11, Whosoever falleth not down in worship, that he should be cast into the midst of the fiery furnace. And it says, And there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, that will not worship the image which you stand up. And then it says that Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true that you will not worship the golden image what I have set up? 
Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of these instruments that you worship me, if not, you'll be cast that hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to the king, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Someone say, able to deliver. It says, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image. Verse number 19, then Nebuchadnezzar, full of rage, and the form, uh, it says that he commanded that they should heat the furnace seven times more, and it was wont to be heated. And he commanded that his mighty men, it says to, 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 uh, and to take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, throw them into the furnace. It says they bound these men. And then it says in verse number 22, Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men. And then three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were bound, put into the fiery furnace. Let me tell you this quickly. In your life, there's going to be the fiery furnaces of life. You think that Christianity is all about just being on easy street. God gave you the Holy Spirit because he knew your life was going to be full of difficulties and full of, uh, and full of challenges. And in the middle of those difficulties, in the middle of those challenges, you have to know that you have faith that is indestructible. That in the face of those things, you can stand and not be moved. Even when the flames of life get turned up, it's seven times hotter. Amen, somebody. Sometimes the flames are going to get so hot that the only way that you're going to be able to stand in those flames is if you have a God that you know has promised to you that he will be there even when it seems like he's not. Glory to God. And the Bible says that when they were in this testing, the word here testing, that it says in, in, in uh, 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 James 1.3, that you know in the testing of your faith develops perseverance. The word testing means to be thrown in a furnace. It means that when your faith is being thrown in the furnace, if it's really faith, it is not going to be destroyed. You know, many people think they have faith during the good times. Well, you know, Brother Palmer, this is a good time in my life. You're on the easy street. You got your job, got your family, got your raise, got everything going well. And you think that's when you have the most faith. When you have the most faith is when you're in the middle of a fight and you're believing God for something. When you feel those flames coming around you, getting hot, that's when you know you have faith. And the word of God says in verse number 12. That when you have indestructible faith, come on, someone say, I'm here this morning. Number one, when you have indestructible faith, you don't pay attention to the voice of doubt. You don't pay attention to it. You mean you hear it, but you don't give it any credence in your life. It says in verse number 12, but there's some Jews whom you've put in charge of the province of Babylon, but they pay no attention to you. Because when you have faith in your life, everything could be telling you one thing, and your faith is telling to you the real thing. Your faith, listen to your faith. Listen to what the Word of God has to say. When you have those promises, you're like, listen to the promise of God. And if you really have faith, your faith will say, no, 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 don't pay attention to what the doctors say. No, 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 don't pay attention to what the bank account has to say. No, 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 I promised you, I promised you. And God's angels will look at God and say, do you see them down there? They're going through that fight. But they're not paying attention to what the report has to say. They're paying attention to God. Amen, Amen somebody. Number two, it says in verse number 16 to verse 18, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the furnace, the God we serve is able to save us. Someone say, able to save. 
Number two, when you're in the midst of the furnace and your faith is being tested, you, number one, don't pay attention to the voice of doubt. But faith, if it's indestructible, fights back. You say, not only do I not pay attention to you, but I have something of my own to say. I'm not going to pay attention to the doctor's report. I got a word from God. This is what God's word has to say. Come on, get with me this morning. I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, someone get with me this morning. I feel the Spirit of God. When your faith is being tested, it starts to talk back. It is really faith. This is shouting church. The quiet church is down the street. Amen. This is the living church. The quiet church you can find on the other side of town. There's a church that has the Holy Ghost. You want someone to pray for you, they need to have boldness and power. Amen. You want someone to cast the devil out of your family member, they need someone that's got the Holy Ghost. And there's a loud church in here. Hallelujah. Talks back. Christians that are fighters, they're not quiet Christians. Devil come out. No, 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 no. When you feel that Holy Ghost rise up in you, you feel that Spirit of God moving in your belly. You know that you got the faith of God in your heart. Hello, somebody. Number three, write this down if you're taking notes. Faith rises to the occasion and challenges the voice of testing. Faith rises to the occasion. It says here in verse number 16. But it, if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to your majesty that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue that you have set up. Someone say rises to the occasion. They says, Nebuchadnezzar, never happening. We're never going to do it. Your faith, if it's really faith, is going to rise to the occasion. I'll write this down if you're taking notes. I just have a few minutes, then I'm going to minister to people. Do you feel the presence of God here this morning? My God. Write this down. You believe in God for the promise that you have in your life. You're holding on to it. How many have a promise you're holding on to this morning? How many need God? You need God to do it for you. The Lord told me this this week when I was praying. He says, son, testimonies of God's faithfulness do not happen overnight. I say it one more time. Testimonies of God's faithfulness do not happen overnight. When you consider the people that are in the Bible that were believing that God would produce for them a miracle, those testimonies rarely happened instantly. You consider people that God moved on their behalf. He made them wait sometimes a long time. And do you know what God is often always accused of more than anything? Being late with his promises. When people talk to God, they say, God, you know you are late. And when you accuse God of being late with his promises, you're doing that because one of two things. Number one, you feel that God is angry at you or you feel that you're not worthy enough to receive his promise. And the Bible says that when you accuse God of being late, your hope becomes deferred. And the word says that your heart is made sick. And when you think that God is being late, you have one of two options. You can consider and you can continue to accuse him of being late. Or you can rejoice and you can allow your heart to be filled with anticipation. Because you know God is never late, but you know that he is always on time and has the perfect time. Can I get an amen this morning? The Bible says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 24. Faithful is he who calls you and he'll also bring it to pass. 
This means here that God is absolutely faithful. God will bring it to pass. It says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue. Someone say continue. His work until it was finally finished on the day of Christ's return. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse number 13, If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny who he is. This simply means that you say, well, what does it mean to be unfaithful? This verse means in consideration of the fact that you're a human being. Do you know we're all human? How many are not human? We're all human. And the thing is, is that as human beings, we all have a moment. And the word is simply telling you, Shayla, that even in the fight of faith, when you have that moment, when you get down, You've been believing, and you've been believing, and then that moment of discouragement comes, and you're overcome by it. The Bible says that God stays with you, and he doesn't leave because you have a moment. You serve a God that never has a moment. I remember I had a jogging partner one time. This is when I was in shape, amen? This is when I could actually jog more than 0.1 miles without, <laughs> if you ask me to go jogging now, I'd say, well, I'll ride a bike and watch you jog, amen. I could, I mean, I was a runner. I could run really good. And I had this running partner, and they weren't so good of a runner. And you don't want to go on jogs with a person that can't run if you can run. Because you know what will happen? You'll start running, and guess what they do? <laughs> That's you done. <laughs> And this journey of faith. You're running. God says, you ready? You say, I'm ready, God. That's how you are when you get saved. Okay, I'm making you a promise. You're going to be healed. I'm making you a promise. X, Y, and Z. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's just, it's down there. We, we're going to go get it. It's down there, though. Okay. Okay, God. God says, okay, you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? And we're ready. You ready to run? Okay, good. You start running. Here we go. And all of a sudden, God says, you know, and he looks over and he, where's my running partner? And all of a sudden, there you are. <laughs> Huh. But God's not the kind of God that says, well, <laughs> I well, I shouldn't have picked them. I'm going to look for somebody else to give them their promise. You know what God does? He loves you so much, he says, all right, take your moment. Go ahead. You need some water? You need some Gatorade? You need a candy bar? What do you need? And you say, okay. And God waits for you. And he gets you back up and says, come on, let's go. You start running again. You have that moment again. And God constantly stands beside you and says, come on, come on, because he is faithful even when you're unfaithful. He never, even when you have a moment, God backs it back up and says, come on, God, and it's the finish line, you see it right down there? It's right down there. You know how many people have come so close to the promise, but they give up right before they got to the finish line? The greatest people waited before they saw fruit in their life. So you have a decision who you want to be like in your life. You can be like the person that gives up, or you can be the person that knows that God cannot lie because he's not a man. Someone look at your neighbor and say, God cannot lie. Come on, say, God cannot lie. Okay, if you have your Bible, go with me to John 11, verse 17. I got five minutes. Brother Caleb, can I have your assistance? John chapter 11, verse number 17. Someone say, God is faithful. God is always on time. 
Mm -hmm. I like to hear pages turning. I like to hear people talking to me. Praise God. Can you, I mean, can you play the guitar? <laughs> Don't worry, I won't put you through it this week. John 11. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. You know, I always wonder how you can tell Jesus something when he can do whatever he wants to do. Here Jesus has come to raise the dead. Jesus has come with miracle power. And they said to him, well, you know, he's already been dead four days. You know, Jesus, he's been dead four days. Jesus, he's been dead four days. He's not getting up. You know, people do that. You believe in God for a promise in your life, and you tell God, well, you know, God, the doctor said. You know, God, statistics say. Do you know, God, Men's Health Journal says. And Jesus said, well, I came, I came to bring life. And you're telling God what he's, everybody else has to say. That's not faith. It says here, Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to counsel Mary and Martha in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. The question I have to ask you is, when Jesus comes, how do you go to approach him? When the Spirit of God comes to bring a word of deliverance to you, how do you meet that word? Because what I find is that the power of God's word only has effect in your life based upon how you meet that word when God speaks it. That's powerful. That'll change your life. Well, God gave me a word, but it's not coming to pass. What was your expectation when God gave it to you? And it says here, but Mary stayed in the house. But Martha said, if you'd only been here sooner. My brother wouldn't have died. See, she was looking in the natural. You could have kept him alive, but you can't raise him from the dead. And the Bible says that Jesus groaned because they didn't understand that he had power over every element, including the element of death. And the Bible says that when your faith is like this, it's no faith at all. And your hope gets deferred and it will make you sick. If you're trying to believe God for the promise in your life with this kind of faith, it'll never come to pass and it'll continue to wait because you're not in faith. And your faith is destructible and faith is destructible is no, is no faith at all. But the Bible says that there was a different guy of another sort. He was a supernatural guy like the people here at Light of Today. And the word says in Luke chapter 5, verse number 25, if you have your Bible, I'm giving you a lot of scripture today. Luke 5, verse 25. He wasn't like Martha. It says, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem, and his name was Simeon. He was righteous and devout. And look what it says. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's death. The question is, what has God promised you? That your life and this part of your life is not going to be over until it comes to pass. And it says, the day the Spirit led him into the temple, when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus as the law required, Simon was there, and he took the child in the arms and praised the Lord. So you can respond to the challenges of your life, number one, like Martha. And when God speaks a word to you, you can say, but God, wait, 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 wait. Or you can respond to it in your life the way that Simeon responded to it, with faith and expectation. 
When you respond to it by faith and you respond to it by expectation, it'll come to pass in your life. When you respond to it with doubt and you respond to it with, I don't know, God, God can't work the miracle in your life, has to get you out of the way. Think about the people in the Bible that had to wait for the promise of God to come to pass, but they waited differently. I wait with perseverance. I wait with endurance. I wait with expectation. I am waiting with a diff something different inside my heart. Are you here, church? Come on, get excited. First you got Noah. God comes to Noah and says, Noah, the flood's coming to the earth. Build a big giant boat. Noah's like, God, build a boat. The word of God says that he went to work on the boat. Goes to work on it. Picking up lumber, shipping the lumber in, putting it together. And people saying, oh, it's never rained before. What are you talking about? No, you must be crazy. But he has the hope of God's promise in his heart. Then the word of God talks about Jacob. Jacob goes one day and he sees some people that were in the flocks, raising the flocks. And he sees Rachel. And the Bible says that Rachel was so beautiful. Jacob's walking by and he gets stunned. This woman's beautiful. She's good looking. And he's waiting. And he meets Laban. And Laban says, you want my daughter? You have to wait seven years. I was going to read it to you this morning, but I don't, I don't have the time to read it to you. He waited seven years. How many have had to wait seven years for the love of your life? I mean, dating, maybe. I don't know. But the Bible says that seven years went by like that. Because he waited with expectation. And then Laban did him wrong. The word of God says that he ended up with Leah. He says, how can you fool me? There's no sparkle in Leah's eye. <laughs> in other words, she didn't look as fine as Rachel. He said, I want the pretty one. Singles, find someone you like. You got to look at them for a long time. Amen. <laughs> find someone that's pretty. Don't go marry someone you think doesn't look good. So the word says that. He said, you know what? I'm going to wait another seven years. Fourteen years waiting for the promise of God to come to pass. You're no different. How are you waiting? Are you waiting with faith and expectation? Or are you waiting with doubt? Someone say, in faith. Are you guys alive this morning? Let's stand to our feet. Glory to God. I want us to close our eyes. I have a few minutes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes and lift your hands. Go ahead and close your eyes. Lift your hands to heaven. Let's lift your hands to heaven. Close your eyes. Pray in the spirit if you can. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Palmer, I'm believing God. I'm expecting God, but my faith has become weak. I'm believing God for the promise, but it feels like I have doubt, I have anxiety, I have fear, I have worry, I have something in my life that is keeping me from entering into the promises. You want your faith to be strengthened this morning. You want God to breathe anew upon your faith. God is like that coaching instructor. He's going to come back.
He's going to help you up, and he's going to move you forward. But you say, I need special prayer this morning. There's people here. I want to minister to you the power of the Spirit. Maybe you need to hear that word from God again. But you are believing something. I want to pray. If you're here this morning, and you are believing God for something specific, and you need prayer because you need God's help, especially this morning, I want you to come quickly to the front. Quickly, I want to pray for some people this morning. You need prayer this morning. You say, Pastor, my faith has gotten weak. My faith has gotten weak. There is a presence that is here this morning. Brett's going to put you into his line. There is a presence that's here this morning. You can bring him closer. You say, my faith has gotten weak. If you believe in God for something this morning, I want you to lift your hands to God because there's a power that's here this morning. That power, its name is Jesus. Anybody else here this morning, you say, Pastor, I want you to lay hands on me. Maybe you have been denied over and over again. Maybe you have a sickness in your body or you've been constantly disappointed and you want special prayer. I want us to go ahead and lift our hands. Lift our hands this morning. You've been disappointed over and over again. And you want God's power to flow into your life. Anybody else? Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I release your power this morning. Not by might, nor by strength. Breathe. Touch your Jesus. Touch your Jesus. There is a power in the name of Jesus. So I see a door opening, a door opening for you. Where you've been denied. But it's not just, you're not just going to go through that door alone. You're going to go through it with the mighty touch and power of the Spirit of God. Go through that door in Jesus' name. Go through that in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. A door has been opened. I see the glory of God. I see people in your family being saved. Siblings being saved. And where you haven't been able to minister to them before, God is going to use you in a mighty way to deliver your family in Jesus name your Ramasa and when you said they didn't even receive me they I was an outcast in my family the Lord says I'm doing a new thing go through that door in Jesus name go through it boldly God is with you I hear the God he's not mad at you in Jesus name I break the power of the enemy you know for wisdom and understanding a new grace upon your life you you will understand the Holy Spirit in a new way, in a new dimension. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. Run with boldness the race that is marked out to you. Yes, I hear run, run, run. Now is the season to run. Now is the season to run. Run in Jesus' name. Run like you used to run. God is making your feet younger. God is making your feet younger. I hear the Lord say he's making your feet and your legs younger. Come on. Father, release. Open it up for her, Jesus. Not, not in your own strength, the Lord says. It won't happen in your own strength, but the strength of my spirit. Tears of sorrow turning into tears of joy in Jesus' name. Tear, this whole tears of sorrow, tears of sorrow will be tears of joy. Tears of sorrow will be tears of joy. Tears of remembrance. The Lord says you will remember your tears as sweet and not bitter. And when you taste those tears, they'll be 
sweet. There will be tears of joy and not sorrow. And you will <laughs> tears of joy and not tears of sorrow. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord sees your heart. He knows the inside. He knows it, and he has heard every prayer. God has heard every prayer, and he knows your heart. And the Lord says, my child, how much I love you. How much I love you. How much I love you. Yando Ramasa, my child, how much I love you and how much I have laid aside for you as a reward for your giving that was done in secret. And I will honor you, says the Lord, and I will bless you, and you will know how proud I have been of you in Jesus' name. Just because you're up here. Let the Lord minister to you. We have three minutes. Lift your hands, young people. Lift your hands. Close your eyes. The Lord is directing your path in this season. He will make himself known to you in a powerful and in a new way. The Lord loves you, Sam. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Receive his love. Hallelujah. Lord Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands right now. Let's close our eyes. <clears throat> what you heard the Lord speak over you, remember it and do not forget it. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to say this quickly. This is a season with the one minute I have. This is a season of God's promises. He will speak to you. He has been, he has been so close to my ear. This week I was in Walmart and I heard a popping in my ear. Just a zzzz. And since that point, my ear has been having difficulty and I went to prayer about it. And God says, do not pay attention to the enemy's attack. I haven't been able to hear that good out of this. He said, don't pay attention to the enemy's attack. He's trying to get you to focus on the natural because I am speaking to you supernaturally right now. He is speaking to you. Write it down and bring your notes next week because we're going to pray over those promises and we're going to push them into existence. Amen, somebody? We got to go. I'll be up at the front if you need special prayer. Find someone next to you. Tell them you love them and tell them that you will see them next week. Amen? God bless you. See you on Thursday. Hallelujah. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly, so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer.